Welcome and happy Friday. This is Travelog, the podcast of Condé Nast Traveler. I am here in the podcast studios at Condé Nast with Betsy Blumenthal and Meredith Carey and Mark Elwood. <laughs> Betsy and Meredith, as podcast listeners will know, Betsy, have you been on the podcast before? Only once for RCAs. Okay, got it. So we have no newbies today which is awesome, although mm-hmm. we love newbies, nothing <laughs> against newbies. Uh, Meredith and Betsy are editors for Condé Nast Traveler, the digital website. I guess there's no other kind of website. Mark is a contributing <laughs> editor and also a podcast producer along with Meredith and Sebastian Modak. He's not here. Not not here. It feels weird when Seb isn't here. It's somehow there's an empty You guys can't see that you're listening, but there is an empty seat, and I feel like we want to sort of blow up Sebastian to kind of sit there. <laughs> we want a Sebastian, Sebastian like blow up. really not weird like at all. Like a Sebastian <laughs> cut. Out. I kind of like that. Yeah, yeah, just keeping the yeah. suit plugged the to all of the other Condé brands who would come in here <laughs> to the podcast studio and find Sebastian. I just think <laughs> if we did that, Sebastian would put the cutout at his desk and then play with his band like constantly. <laughs> he would just not come in to work. No one would notice anymore. True. Okay. Our topic for the week this week is going to be Airbnb and other. Homestays, I guess. Can we call them homestays? Uh, yeah, I think that when I think about it, I think of them as home rentals, rentals rather than yeah. home sharing, because I think the sharing part of it doesn't is, seem as organic right. anymore. And I think I that know. it's very like you are paying someone to stay in their home when they aren't there. That doesn't feel like you're sharing really no, a but lot I, but it's interesting i have my friend lorenzo said to me recently he said you know he always stays in airbnbs whenever he travels for work and he proactively always picks an airbnb with someone in it he will choose because he Whoa. said yeah but it's interesting he said if you're going to stay in an apartment it's essentially you need a concierge and the concierge is the person who's sharing the apartment with you and again betsy is like shaking totally her head disagree but, yeah, but, so, against but i that. thought that was very interesting because he had this theory that instead of he's very much about the early idea of airbnb why would you not do that why would i not share with someone because i want to be alone i'm on vacation are you kidding me okay. that filter always goes on i want an entire apartment or house to myself even if i'm alone as long as someone is there to meet me and explain how things work and to orient me and to show me where i am how to turn the air conditioner on. After that, they can leave. And it's give fine. you the Wi-Fi password. <laughs> yeah, seriously. All right, we weeded out right away, which is great. But first, I want to back up for just a second because this is part of... <laughs> this is part of... Why are you laughing at me? Um, <laughs> this is part of a series that we're doing that mm-hmm. we're, where we are exploring from many different angles what is conventionally called the sharing economy. And I know, Mary, you're taking objection with that terminology i think that's really great and and we should talk about that but you guys already getting like airbnb and other services like it and i think we can lump uber in with that and and probably others have really been transformative in the travel space and i think you know you guys just getting into that discussion and that debate kind of get at a couple of things one of which is that there's a tendency to think of both of these types of services as monoliths right, as one kind of thing or another. And one of the things you guys were just getting into is they're really not. And so I'm hoping we can talk a little bit about some of the nuances that exist here, some of the ways that this market has really changed and sort of evolved over the last few years, because we're now, what, Mayor, 10 years into yeah, it? Yeah, Airbnb launched in 2008, and so which I think is kind of crazy because yeah. as a younger adult <laughs> traveler, like it really hey. didn't come into my life until maybe three or four years ago when it was like, 
in, at the height in of like it, yeah. decently full swing. But you know why that was? And I, I want to give a shout out to Chip Conley here because I don't think he gets enough credit. And I think this is also the important part. Airbnb was a cute idea until an experienced hospitality person who'd owned a lot of amazing <laughs> hotels stepped in and applied not only his particular brand of magic, but some hospitality know-how. And when Chip was involved, suddenly Airbnb became a big player. It's very crucial, to me at least, that Chip isn't with Airbnb anymore. And I think Airbnb is in that awkward Apple phase of having... <laughs> Which a- Apple? Like 90s <laughs> Apple? It's like, is it's it like, like 90s it's Apple? It's like Madonna. It's like Madonna. Like there's constant sort of awkward phases and then they pull it back from the brink. But I think at the moment, Airbnb has a halo effect from that era. But everything it's doing in the immediate future... I don't know how smart it's it It hasn't be. gelled yet. There's a lot going on right now. But it's also worth pointing out that Airbnb was not the first of its kind. Not the first of its name. I've been catching up on my Game of Thrones. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but VRBO really right. kind of pioneered this away, I mean, I think that there are, I think there are so many home sharing, home renting services. And yeah, VRBO, HomeAway are both two kind of... OGs. Right. And I think that... The difference for some of these platforms is that their packaging, their website is so user friendly. Mm-hmm. They have so many Just properties. Yeah. Something like One Fine Stay is like a niche market for, you know, people who are looking for the apartment life but want something like really well curated with you know, hotel linens, you're not staying in someone's sheets. Well, to me, one fine stay is when a client goes to a travel specialist and says, I want the Airbnb experience, they turn around and one of the things they say is, eh, you don't want Airbnb, you want one fine it's stay. Like the step just above that. Right. And then you have the kind of the opposite, which is, well, not the opposite. It's not a step down. It's kind of on the same playing field, but there is a company called Kid & Co, which only rents out family properties. So those are properties where families live and they have toys already, they have books, they have a crib, they have all of those things that as a parent you would want and need and you don't have to double check that your Airbnb you know, isn't baby safe, it's gonna be. So I think that part of the struggle for me to just even like capture what this is as a sharing economy, even just in like the hotel home space is there are so many niches and there's so many markets and there's so many little apps, big apps, websites, that have hundreds of thousands of options and some that have 20 on purpose, that it's like a very complicated. Well, then maybe we can talk about the differences between all of these two. We can, but it's worth noting uh, in a similar way as to like Kleenex or whatever, the reason why Airbnb became synonymous with this space is because they did, to your point, Mark, and yours too, Meredith, like, they wrapped this basic service that already existed inside a user experience. It was kind of an Apple-like thing that they did. It, you know, it's similar to the iPod. They took a thing that already existed and made it beautiful and easy and kind of ubiquitous. And now they are the 800-pound gorilla in the space. And there are little niches that people are playing in, but Airbnb is increasingly sort of diversifying. You know, the last year for them has been about diversification of of their service. But don't you think that's super dumb? It's one of the dumbest things I think Airbnb is doing. The experiences. I option. yeah, I just noticed that 
that they you just, just you just noticed yeah that? no when I was booking when you I was can make booking fun of her on the podcast. Okay. <laughs> when I was booking places to stay in Italy right. you know towards the end of May I had just noticed because I, I don't often go on Airbnb right. to make a Pinterest board or whatever of where I'm going to stay next time. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I just, I don't know. I don't fantasize about which Airbnb I'm going to stay at. But so the first time that I went on there for a while was to book this trip and I just noticed that they had added it. So, but you see, are Did you, you engage with it at all? I did, did not. Actually, no. I book on What did you think it was? What did I think? I mean, I knew what it was. I mean, they have these, they call them experiences. I mean, they're just tours or classes or whatever just to get you involved in the area where you're visiting. And I think that's great. I use a different service that I love. But I just think it, I think Airbnb trying to be all things to right. everybody is the path down which it's wandering and it's not a path to success. The experience is, is muddled. It's unreliable. You don't really know what you're getting. The pricing can be crazy expensive. That's incredibly true. And you're not getting good value for money. It's nothing to do. It, yeah, it's like experience. Like, look, let tour operators do that work better on finding even better listings. I don't know why. And, you know, if someone behind all of this is listening, please tweet me and tell me why I'm wrong. I just, I think Airbnb is becoming, it was a primary coloured service and it's getting muddied and muddied and muddied. So you think think they should just stick to what they're good at? And work, get it even better. You know, Airbnb fundamentally is a platform and they exist in similar to Uber and other services of this type to find inefficiencies in the marketplace and fill those inefficiencies, right? And one of the things that they have done as a platform is provide incredible visibility, right? They have a huge user base. And so you've got all these people who offer services. And I do agree, I I agree with you on one hand, So, but I'm sort of playing devil's Mm -hmm. advocate here. But like, they have this huge platform. There's an inefficiency in the sense that there are all these people who offer services who struggle to make people aware of those. And then they also but they struggle. don't. There are way better group tour aggregators who I would trust way more, who vet their providers, who are much, much more policing. Airbnb is quite hands off. But for the end user, our end user is already engaged with Airbnb to find those other purveyors to get engaged Again, with their service. But it's like before eBay had a guarantee that what you're buying was real. I don't want to be the pioneering people stress testing Airbnb trying to run tours and then finding out they're not very good. I think there's something to that, but I think it goes back to reviews more. Like when I'm looking at an Airbnb to That's stay right. at, I'm never brave enough to book a place that doesn't have any reviews yet. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Like right. I Absolutely. will absolutely book a place that has 25 star reviews. And if Airbnb had a quote unquote experience that also had, you know, 25 five star reviews, I'd probably book that too. I think it's a matter of, I just don't know that I'm brave enough to pioneer that. Well, and that to, but, but I'm saying, sure, great Airbnb, do those experiences, but call me in two years when you've worked, worked <laughs> out which ones are good, because I don't want to be the, the, the guinea pig. You don't want to be the test, yeah. Because it's my money. Yeah, and yeah. that's the place where I do agree with you, Mark, is that when you are a review-driven platform, right. and when you, like this is the thing about Airbnb, is to a certain extent, their aesthetics are really great. Again, I think they've done a reasonably good job of maintaining that as they've branched out. Like they did a great job up until last year. The experiences thing kind of broke it apart a little bit, I would say, subjectively. But what Airbnb stands for, aside from the convenience, you know, certain sort of functional features and so forth, is difficult to pin down because it doesn't necessarily stand for quality. And I think that basically what you're talking about, markets to some extent, or at least my version of it would be, they go down this TripAdvisor path, you know, where 
They are great from a certain technical point of view. They do provide a platform for reviews that you as a user can go through and use to make judgments. But the quality filters are not easy to perceive and mostly left up to the user. So you talked about, you know, it has 25 five-star reviews. But I'm guessing that you also look at who left those reviews, right? I'm guessing that you don't assume all reviews are equal. Mm, I don't know. I mean, I don't know that I necessarily vet people. I mean, typically I've never booked an experience on Airbnb, so I can't speak to that. I've only booked them on Viator. Um, and usually I go for the ones that have thousands of great reviews. So I'm obviously but for not for a gonna... room or an apartment, like for a room or an apartment. Um, no, I actually, I don't, I don't typically vet. Oh man, people. I do. No. Dude. And you know what? Oh, I, I do. And on TripAdvisor too, like all reviews are not <laughs> created equal. I want to know who you are. I want to know where you're from. I want to know what your set of standards with are. Airbnb, I think the difference in the reviewing process is that, so like, you know, both parties get reviewed, right? The person who stayed there and True. the host and the host and the person who stayed there only have so much time to write a review. Yeah. And if they don't both lose write that reviews, you yeah. lose that opportunity yeah. and you do not get to see the other person's point of view until right. you have both submitted them. And I think that makes it a little less backstabby than yeah. TripAdvisor and like those major aggregators can be because you know but it's I also terrifying like it feels like the episode of Black Mirror where Bryce Dallas Howard is walking around going thank you so Life. much for my coffee <laughs> five stars because she's terrified of someone downgrading her because under 2.9 stars you don't get the fast lane on the freeway and I do think it's a little hard you know the last time I used an Airbnb the house was wonderful and I had a lovely experience but I did arrive to some signs all over the kitchen going, hello, I'm the kitchen counter. I stay easily. Please be careful. And I found them <laughs> passive aggressive and a bit weird. Did you the, read the reviews before you booked it? The reviews are very positive. They didn't mention anything like That's that. That's so weird. And I and didn't mention anything like that. And maybe a lot of people like who stay in, like, see that, I would not be bothered by that because if that was my actual home, I wouldn't want anyone standing my calendar. But if you're going to rent out <laughs> your house, I mean, I'm not going to spill red wine on it deliberately, but it, it made me feel unwelcome. But did I mention that in my review? No, I was terrified because I don't use Airbnb very much, so my rating counts. So like Bryce Dallas Howard, I smiled even though my coffee wasn't right. I don't know. I'm but always I do that on Uber, I too. Don't know. But this no. is what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> we're just such, we're such go, man, you, do if it. If you had said it was weird that there was this sign, that person would not have been able to see that until they also wrote a review, and they can't take their nice positive review of you back. I know, but it's- I didn't know that. That's, what no, that's what I was just explaining. I like, know. I, the, I heard you explain it. I just didn't know it before you did that. And they changed that process so that people felt more comfortable being honest, being honest yeah. on the site. I've never left a dishonest Airbnb I, review. But, but, uh, but you see, I think rating each other, I think there's something very unseemly about rating each other. And I wrote a story a while ago that you can find on the site about yes. our urge to rate things. Yes. And I just... As it's a great story. I, you should definitely go find it. I'm a very judgmental person naturally, so maybe I'm just raining <laughs> you, it in. You are. That was what was so strange about that story. Again, please, anyone listening, please tell me. Put on am the I gloves, guys. My no, God. But, no, but, you know, but I do, I find those, I find the sharing economy rating complex because I think they're new and I think we haven't quite yet worked out what it is and isn't okay to say. And they are something that is probably one of the things that is consistent through 
every single sharing economy yeah. piece yep. of service. Yep. Whether you're on Turo or Get Around or Uber or Lyft or Airbnb or you're renting a bicycle or you're on <laughs> yeah. Zip, like I mean, every single option. The whole experience. rent the runway yeah. has ratings. Like Does every really? every <laughs> like every sharing service. <laughs> possible but like home depot has ratings now right you know i I don't know where you want to trace this back i think the level of sophistication that these platforms have gotten into which is what you were just talking about really does change that and i i say that i wasn't aware of it because it's actually meaningful to me because i thought they could see what i was saying we're going to base their review like when i stayed uh, stay in an airbnb somewhere i figure i have always figured in the past that my host would see what i was saying about them and that we were incentivized to mutually fluff one another, so to speak, right? (laughs) I really do actually admire that level of sophistication with it where they're really trying to get honest reviews. But I would also say that the reason why I want to curate the reviews is not because I think people are being dishonest. Like, I don't think people are particularly dishonest on TripAdvisor. talking about it as a matter of taste? Yeah. Because I want to go back to that and talk. I've never vetted anyone on airbnb or trip like i'm a good facebook stalker like i am (laughs) but i you know what i mean i kind of take it on you know take it on faith that all the reviews that these people are leaving are honest and straightforward that the location's great you know i look for certain things in a review because i'm particular so i'm looking for air conditioning i'm looking for location i'm looking to see if that person was helpful you know if it was clean like I just kind of have a checklist that I go down and I if I see that a lot of the reviews are meeting that, then I go ahead and book it. I, would I don't also, like make sure to see if the person is reviewing Rodeo Drive and being like, well, they didn't have Jimmy Choo, so useless. <laughs> like, No, I you know? think I think that that, though, might speak to us. Perhaps being young, <laughs> and like I, I what Mara is trying to say is that Mark and I are old. No, no and, that's not and it. Betsy and Mare are not. No, I think that part of it is that we have lower standards. Like I, that I is, totally, that yes. is a true. And I was going to say that too. I was totally. going to say that too. It's like I can speak to this as a person who was once young, <laughs> and you know, the first time are that I sure? went to <laughs> <I'm not sure. laughs> um, the first time I went to Mexico. What I was willing to call awesome in terms of accommodations and food and whatever else is very different from what I would call those things today. And it's just like my tolerance for cleanliness or, you know, accommodation, like whatever, just all the different ingredients um, of the experience of staying in a place. They're not the same and they've changed over time. But no one has. And that's a really good point. There have been social media networks like beautifulpeople.net or A, a Small World, which Wait, were... I fucking sorry. hate that already. Zero. Whatever that is, that I fucking hate thing? it. Yeah. So, the, yes, of course, because you had to get voted in by the existing Oh, jeez. I don't even I know what this is. I hate those people. Whoever runs... I hate that site. I'm sure sorry. people listening have heard of these, right? This is, so, yes. Because uh, you're all beautiful how, people. I don't know. Godspeed, guys. I really... <laughs> can you bridge that? Can you... No, but, take... but the point I'm actually making over and above... Both of those were kind of repulsive ideas because they were very much about us versus them. But what no one has cracked yet in an algorithm term is how to match other reviewers' habits tastes, backgrounds with yours. Right. It's almost like you input your data and it it sifts to the top. The people who, like in your case, Brad, you know, you have one child, you've been to a lot of cities. Are the reviewers who have 
a small number of kids younger like yours who love cities, I'd like to see their opinion. Exactly. It's that kind of thing. And I don't think anyone has found a way to corral those to that, that out, feedback yeah. to match it that isn't sort of offensive like Have I got hot. a PowerPoint for you, Mark Elwood? <laughs> I feel like we've become this like idea factory yeah. and we come up with all these ideas <laughs> in the podcast. We try to patent them. Like really though, someone should get on that. We're watching anyone who launches that. <laughs> it feels like high ideas. I don't know. <laughs> I agree with you, Meredith. Someone should get on that. Eric Gillen, if you're listening else. to the podcast, someone should get on that. I was in Copenhagen a couple of weeks ago for a story, and I was touring a new hotel, beautiful new hotel that's just opened, that you will probably read about soon. Um, I was fascinated. Yeah, I know. A little teaser. teaser. Um, but I was fascinated because that hotel has taken two rooms that were strange shapes and turned them into six bunk dorms with beautiful linens and a private bathroom for each room. And those rooms are not listed on its website. They are only listed on Airbnb. Wow. Really? What? That is interesting. I am excited and to read like, about this. And that's like, when I think about, we've talked in the past, like how hotels have tried to be, you know, friendly to millennials and they usually don't uh, do quite the best job but I think that there are hotels that are trying to be more like Airbnb and it's like not working and I think that's like a weird way that it does work and then in the opposite direction Airbnb is slowly but surely trying to open things that look more and more like hotels and I mean, still do their own business, like this hotel. There's still a hotel and they have two rooms that are Airbnbs. But it does remind you that Airbnb and hotels aren't mutually exclusive. I think we picture them as... Enemies. Enemies. And actually, if they'd work out... And they they are enemies. I, I'm, enemies. Like, ask the New York State Legislature. They are enemies. <sighs> they I are guess my enemies. question is, uh, I guess this is a little bit random, but where would you put... I guess in in this moment, like upscale hostels on this spectrum. The postal. You know the postal. That's Whoa. a word. Oh nice. my god, Jeffries is gonna die over that word. <laughs> the postal. Um, we call the it postal. the postal. But like you know, freehand and generator. You yeah. know, where do you? I kind of you know put that on a similar level as Airbnb because it's kind of this sharing. You know, whatever, and it's not—it's not necessarily the highest quality, but you're getting a great value. But and, you book you know. it like a hotel. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of like this weird—I don't know—alien child. But if you were booking that, would you be in a room with other people, Betsy? Prob not. Okay, Prob. that's fair. But Prob you see, not. I think that the question to answer your question, what I think Depends. Airbnb should be doing, which it isn't—it's messing around with experiences and trying to do things that aren't in its expertise sector. The hotel industry for a long time has had marketing groups like small luxury hotels of the world or that kind of Preferred, thing. Preferred, yeah. They, they are essentially platforms on which you are showcased by a group, a group think. Right. I don't know why Airbnb isn't working more to draw places like the Freehand into its network and say, we will market you to our users. We want to bring lower priced hotels aimed at into Airbnb and we will expose them to our audience, which is enormous, and it will cross-fertilize. Don't start taking people on tours. Get people to book more and more overnights through you That's in really different ways. Yeah, I'd never thought about that. Brian, Ch- that- Brian Chesky. Brian Ch- <laughs> calling Brian Chesky. I think that it's interesting because in everyone that I've talked to about Airbnb, 
you know, most of even the travel specialists that I've talked to, they've always said the people who are using Airbnb are on a budget. And it might not be like some like I'm only spending $20 oh, a night, sure. but like people are looking to save money on Airbnb. Yeah. Families are looking to not have to buy five rooms for all of their extended family. Groups of friends are trying to also not have to pay out the nose for a hotel. And so I think that that's a really great idea because then it makes it seem like those places, maybe even if they aren't like crazy budget, are more accessible to people totally. looking to buy into the idea. Yeah, but it's going to be more costly for the generator and the freehand because now they have yeah. somebody else they got to split profits with. Right? Yes, but, but I would argue that moving forward, you're going to want to be exposed to that audience and... They, you know, they're not paying from the freehand isn't part of any of the marketing networks, so it would be the first one. Yeah. I don't know why they aren't sewing up the postals, the lower end, because to me, uh, <laughs> Airbnb is really going to take the place of one and two star hotels. Yes, I think I we just, should I, talk about that. I, I want to come back and challenge two notions here at the same time. <laughs> oh boy, <laughs> sorry, gonna get a whooping. I feel like this is what I'm doing today. Um, <laughs> one is that Airbnb is a thing for young people. And the second is that it is about price point with hotels, right? I think, and I'm not trying to parrot some Airbnb marketing slogan, but honestly, number one, I actually tend to prefer Airbnbs in most markets. And number two, I don't find the hotel experience necessarily exactly the thing that I'm looking for when I'm traveling, particularly in urban environments, right? And so for me, the Airbnbs are appealing and I'm willing to spend more on an Airbnb, right? Like I, I spent, we, when we went to Cuba, we did not go for like, a, you can get $20 a night, you know, Airbnbs in Cuba and we spent like 200 or whatever, which is not a lot for compared to some hotels, but it's a lot for an Airbnb. And I think for me, the experience that you can get staying in a residential environment and putting yourself in the middle of a neighborhood in a less mediated way, that's actually an important part of what I'm looking for sometimes when I'm but traveling. I don't think you're typical. I think if we could get our hands on the raw data, I don't think you're typical. There are people who want that experience and they go to other services which specialize in creating a less intermediated experience, but one where they clean your linens for you. And I do think if you looked at Airbnb's sweet spot, it's when you can get a better deal than you could on a hotel. But what Brad just said was that he spent... $200, which was expensive for an Airbnb, but still less than hotels. So even if in yeah, your mind okay. it wasn't budget for Airbnb, it yeah. was still the budget option, even if that wasn't what you were but looking for. But can I just for. speak to the experience I got, right? Yeah. I stayed and I paid 200 whatever dollars a night. I could have paid $600 and stayed at the, mm -hmm. the Nacional, right? I got a four-bedroom house in a suburban neighborhood, but kind of distant. That was a big deal. But... It was like it had a, you know, a, a, a sort of cook. It had a yard that my kid could play in. We thought it had a pool out back, but by the time <laughs> we got there, the government had shut down the pool because fun, not allowed. 
I guess. But you, but but don't gloss so over. So I got an, but, What I'm saying is, I but, got an amazing fucking place, and like but, it was but way Brad, nicer than got, the National Room. I would have paid six hundred dollars. A, for. you couldn't pay me not to stay in the National. But B, you also got not what you wanted, which was you were expecting a pool, and you can joke about it now. But that wouldn't happen at a hotel, and if it did, they would make accommodations for you. But you rocked up. And wham, bam, that pool you thought your son could kind of hang out in. No, it's not there. That's, I mean, that's the problem. But TV, like, that's, I feel like the Cuba question also. Wait, you're like, saying I couldn't a, show like, up at a hotel and them in say. Cuba. No, or anywhere. And them say, like, oh, by the way, we had a plumbing problem with our pool. Sorry, and, you can't go swimming and they, today. And you could say, well, I need to be reaccommodated at a pool elsewhere. What, what reciprocal arrangements have you made to make up for that? And they would. Because Are you saying that an Airbnb would? They're going to put that? me up at the Hyatt. No, they're not going to move you, but they're going to say you need a pool. We've called our friends at X because hotels work with each other. When they overbook, they 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 walk people to other hotels. I just want to be dealing with professionals. I don't want amateurs. I don't want an amateur pilot. I don't want an amateur hotelier. <laughs> okay, I definitely I want... don't want an amateur <laughs> pilot. But I think I don't know. I just want to go back to this idea that like the people who book Airbnbs tend to be looking for things on a budget because I feel like I have never booked an Airbnb in the United States because when I'm in the United States, I can get something, you know, a two star, a three star hotel for a reasonable price. And I know exactly what I'm getting. Like I know what the shitty carpeting is going to look like. I know what the lobby with, you know, the ceramic tile, I know what it's going to smell like. Like I know that there are going to be cookies there. You know, the whole <laughs> thing. I you know what I mean? Like everyone I, can picture I'm what you're saying right that now. Experience. That was very descriptive. Yes. Thank you so much. But when I'm in Europe, I have found at the hotels I've seen or at the hotels I've stayed at, the quality is not as consistent between that, you know, two and three star category. And it's really fucking expensive. Like if you're in Paris, you're going to get that shitty hotel for like 200 and whatever dollars a night. And you can easily get a nice Airbnb for half of that in a good area. And you don't have to pay where you've I, seen I reviews the and yeah. you've seen the photos and you mm -hmm. have like, yeah. you have at least some better understanding. Right. And I mean, I, like. I know, you know, from the reviews, I can kind of, I can kind of discern what that experience is going to be like, as Meredith said, and I don't have to pay out the ass for it. That's probably going to be edited out. That's fine. <laughs> but, you know, I feel like I'm willing to take a chance more in Europe because the alternative is something I might be paying more money for that I might actually enjoy less. But would you, and this is, I'm curious, and I wonder if the listeners have perspectives on this because I think this is a very interesting point. Would you take a chance on an Airbnb in India, for example? You know, in an emerging destination or an emerging market, is it riskier to take an Airbnb? Because it could be amazing and you could have this wonderful kind of hardcore Indian experience with like crazy great food in the neighborhood and like a really interesting new... Or you See, could I don't know, be left because high and dry. to be honest, I don't know that if I'm, I'm like that intense of a pioneer. Like I said, if, if I would maybe you know, pull a Brad in that situation and actually vet the people who are reviewing the property because... You know, I mean, you're right. It is an emerging destination sort of situation. And I don't want to be, you know, in this neighborhood where there, you know, there would be no one to help me, nothing in English. And like, I would just be totally lost. And, you know, if something goes wrong, you know, what do I do? But I think that for me is when you get a room with someone else, because when I was in Italy by myself, again, you know, for me, Italy was a lot more approachable than India totally, was exactly. at the time. But you don't speak Italian, do you? No, no, um, but but I mean, like that was different. that was okay. <laughs> so this room that I stayed in was actually it was like a duplex apartment. So I had my own entrance to my bedroom. I didn't have a kitchen, but you know, like 
my right. host was out of town. His sister was living upstairs. We had dinner together one night. I locked myself out. You know, I was just <laughs> yelling her name from the street. Um, but it was nice somewhere that I was staying for four days where I didn't know anyone. And we like, you know, could kind of figure. She but didn't just speak a ton of English. But like, it was just nice to have someone else, even though I during the day was completely by myself and loved that. It was nice to like come back to my temporary home and like have someone there who I could ask, where should I go to dinner? Yeah, and I, I mean, definitely wasn't going to get a hotel. I just, I, think, I just think Betsy's point about the different places that you're likelier to use an Airbnb totally. is very, is very, very interesting. And it's, and again, I'd love to know the listeners like what their experience has been, where you would yeah, and tell wouldn't us. tell us, because because I think you are identifying essentially the future for Airbnb. Right. There okay. are places it will dominate, and places it'll be harder for it right. to. But I mean, I, I also think, though, I would say, Betsy, to your point of like never using an Airbnb domestically, like there are markets in the United States that really don't have great hotel service. Yeah. Right? They don't no. have good places that I you don't can deny stay. that. And Airbnb has actually made those markets, you know, palatable. They made it possible for you to travel totally. there and have a totally. good localized experience. And I think for me, you know, obviously there are some cities that are that have great hotels, like a city like Miami, right? Like you would never, I, I would never think of doing an Airbnb in, in Airbnb Miami. struggles immensely in Miami. It's yeah. one of its overlisted, and again, supply and demand, very interesting. If you look at the data on Miami, there's a whole load of people who want to host guests, and there aren't that many people right. booking. Because they've got great hotels. Demand. There's a ton of hotels, and they're really, really good. I think if you're and, talking about, you know, like I, if I were going to stay in the Catskills, you know, I would maybe look at doing an airbnb there i just nashville yeah i would always stay in an airbnb yeah no i mean the hotels i will say i actually like the hotel indigo there i I think i've stayed there before but uh, until (laughs) until a hotel until there isn't a hotel room that i want to sleep in oh man all right i mean you're a purist this is not i'm just saying i want someone to make my bed in the morning that isn't me or it's not vacation i think it's also about what i'm willing to spend for that particular experience and sometimes in america i just like having that shitty two-star three-star hotel experience like sometimes that's just what I'm comfortable with sometimes I don't want to be the pioneer sometimes I just want a bed that I know is going to be comfortable where they're going to you know remake it in the morning and you know I that never kind want of thing. the two or three-star hotel experience <laughs> I there's I mean I've done a lot of road trips so I think that's why I'm comfortable mm. with it it's just like it's something I grew up doing and now I kind of like look at it fondly even if like maybe the room smells a little weird. I don't know. But it hasn't <laughs> happened. I just want to preface this by saying that hasn't happened. But, but you know, it's but, interesting. None of us are, are Airbnb hosts. We're talking about it as guests. And yeah. Close friends of mine have That's a- also partially because New York makes it very difficult, difficult. to do those things. But it was interesting. Um, friends of mine who have a house in upstate New York, in Rhinebeck, they have a big house with a pool that they bought expressly so that they would be able to rent it out and da da. And the strategy of how Adam put it on Airbnb where everyone said, well, you have to put the rates really low to begin with, and then that juices your reviews. So you get 10 good reviews of what amazing value it is. Then you put it at the real price you should be charging. And people will see the good reviews, mm-hmm. so they don't and did see that the work? different. Yep. Tell me, tell me, tell me everything. I want to know. And it, it, it <laughs> you know, it books every time. But it also, they have been fascinated by how some guests have been so disrespectful. You assume that the sharing economy will make people behave well. 
Whenever you say and sharing economy, I think about paying to sleep on someone's couch. Or not so like in my mind when I think when I think real sharing economy, which is like a barter economy, yeah. I think couch surfing. Yes. Which I have yes. done exactly. before where yeah. you don't exchange money. You are just out of the kindness of your yes. heart letting that a stranger what I think stay about. on your couch. And I have done it and it's been amazing. But like But that's what I think of when I hear sharing economy. So to yeah. me that doesn't signal like Airbnb. And to I don't me, know. I feel like I am I'm not necessarily more respectful, but I'm more cognizant of what I'm doing totally. and like in someone's home when I'm couch surfing than I am if I'm there by myself on an Airbnb. Um, maybe this is a good time for me to apologize to my host in Rome where I left the air conditioning on literally for five days. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Please leave me a nice review. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm curious. We're not, because it's interesting because we've come at this from one perspective because we are all sort of greater New Yorkers. And I think, I, again, I'd be very interested in any listeners who've been hosts because I think yes. that's a very, it's turning everyone into a hotelier. And that sounds great, but there are some real drawbacks. Now, my friends Adam and Justin love hosting the zero sum of of having their house on all these rental platforms is great but there have been some icky moments and i have to say most of the icky moments have been from people who should know better you know they rented to a group of grads from west point and they were terrified about having kind of young lads kind of taking yeah. over the house the house was cleaner when they left than when they arrived then they rented a whole lot of sort of 30 something professional couples from New York City <laughs> and the house the doors were left unlocked and there was kind of crap everywhere mm, so horrible. they were reminded that you know it's not the people you expect could we have a host badly. on here could we yeah, of course. do that sure. oh my god anyone's an Airbnb host yeah, yeah super host anyone's a super host yeah. like yeah. tell us tweet us because we're coming at it one way and I think the thing that is most interesting about Airbnb is it moves the hospitality industry into everyone's grass. I think that I've got one more thing to say. You Um, you say it. I went to the Airbnb conference last year and they introduced a lot of new things. They introduced experiences when I was there, but they also introduced like a lot of little things like you can share your um, property with someone else. So like if you live in a neighborhood and two other people in your neighborhood rent Airbnbs out, you can, the three of you, kind of like create a little group where you, like the person who is renting your apartment knows that like, you know, Jen down the street has the keys and she's going to clean the apartment afterwards. And like, you know, you can, you can decide if you want to split the profits, but it, it kind of created this new level of Airbnb, which made it much more what you're saying, like groups of people being able to take this on rather than just like your average Joe just like renting out his place. It's definitely like a lot more strategic than that now. I don't know. I feel like for me, it's just Airbnb is always just such a straightforward process for me. I always filter it so that I'm by myself. It's strictly no. I mean, we, it's well, strictly. I think we got that. Like, it's strictly myself, for me. But. It's just it's just a rental. Like it's you right. rent anything else. Like I am not staying with anybody else. I'm just renting this place for a short period of time, and then they're gonna clean up after me when I leave, and like that's it. Well, and and that's and, great. But and back to the back to the discussion at the beginning, and then we can back it out for a different kind of question, but there are also people who use it for exactly the opposite reason, which is that they can get a built-in sort of host, concierge, whatever. And Airbnb has all of these components to the platform that kind of cater to that if that's the kind of thing that you want, right? You can get these very kind of hands-on, you know, whether it's a document or whether it's the person, him or herself, and you can text them and you can meet them and they, they'll do all kinds of little planning things for you and they'll leave notes that say, these are my favorite restaurants. So Many of them, most of them do this. You yeah. can pick your experience. Yeah. But what I was going to say 
in terms of like, you know, looking forward and kind of backing it out is we're at this moment where Airbnb is going through a transition. We talked about that a little bit. They're taking on some new things. They're, they're modifying their model a little bit. And at the same time, they've been going through some controversies and some problems. And so I'm wondering, Mary, you've been looking at this marketplace kind of more broadly right now. We also know that Airbnb has been locked, as we alluded to, into fights through legislatures and municipal governments of one kind or another in many, many marketplaces. Where is the market evolving? Are these niche players that are coming in, are they going to be kind of a flying under the radar version of Airbnb that helps keep them out of the sights of the legislatures and the... So earlier this week, I chatted with a professor um, at NYU who's an economist who was saying that, yes, these regulations are a big deal um, in cities like New York. And there are a few other cities who have kind of finished up their negotiations, Paris, Amsterdam. But you were saying earlier, like, everyone calls tissues Kleenex, whether or not they're from a Kleenex box. They're not the same thing. Everyone calls hot tubs jacuzzis because that's just what you think about. It's the same with... It's the same yeah. with Airbnb. Like, it is such a household name now that, like, you know, New York State filing this, you know, regulation or restriction, that's not going to kill Airbnb in New York. It's not. And it probably, those regulations will probably change because you can't regulate Airbnb like a hotel and you also can't regulate hotels like Airbnbs. There are things like Airbnbs have to have fire safety, but they don't necessarily have to have the same restrictions that hotels have on other things. I think that... In my mind, those small players are going to have to just fly under the radar if they want to survive because they're not big enough and they probably won't be Airbnb to be able to stand up against the regulations that are coming at Airbnb. I just don't think it's possible. Mark, what do you think? You're a hotel diehard. Like, is Airbnb going to create problems for the hotel industry long term? I think Airbnb isn't going to create problems. I think the hotel industry is really rich, and the hotel industry has been around <laughs> a long time. And they have you are helping really them good, every day. No, but they have really good connections. And if I were a lobbyist in DC, I would know that all the major hotel companies are chomping at the bit. Oh, I wonder to who to make sure. Yeah, to make sure that all of the regulations that are creeping in are as constricting as possible. And I think Airbnb. It, it, it's a big enemy to have the hospitality industry is a big obstacle to fight. So if I were Airbnb, I would proactively and preemptively go in and say, fine, we'll do this, we'll do this, because the hotels are not going to stop until they have as many. Co- you look at, I was researching Las Vegas for a story that's part of our package where Airbnb really hasn't penetrated. And why hasn't it penetrated? Because it's a hotel town. And the regulations on Airbnb in Las Vegas are you can't have one Airbnb within 660 feet of another and you have to pay a $500 non-refundable application fee even if it's denied. That stuff is going to come in. I guess my question, I guess particularly for you, Mark, is if you were in a situation where you had to spend below X amount of money on a hotel, would you rather stay in a shitty hotel or a nicer Airbnb? Oh, a shitty hotel every time. Dude, I whatever, it's fine. I, <laughs> I'm no, over it. I'm over I, it. I, I, I do. I, so we 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 clearly are not done with this. We'll we'll have to come back. Part to it. two. Um, Revenge no, of the I, host. I think it's going, it's going to change. I think the, the, Mark's point and, and Mary's points are both. They're true. Like 
hotel taxes are onerous in lots of markets and Airbnbs flying under the bin flying right. under the radar. Yeah. I don't see how they can continue to do that. I just like they've conceded in a couple of markets. They're going to have to concede in all of the places like California, like New York where the, I'd watch what I would say is California has the most stringent consumer protection laws in America. So every time this kind of thing bubbles up, you watch and I'm sure listeners in California will know this. Always watch what happens in California because yeah. it's the canary in the coal mine. Yeah. Because because huh. California watches consumer rights for lots of complicated reasons far more aggressively and enthusiastically than anywhere else. And markets like San Francisco tax hotels to fund a lot of things that happen in the state. They fund arts throughout the state by taxing hotels. There's just no way that Airbnb is going to be able to avoid that long term. But I also think Airbnb, you said the hospitality industry is their enemy. Airbnb is the hospitality industry. And I think that's that's kind of what we're talking about here. So let's promise that we will come back to this in a variety of ways and oh, we'll yes. talk about it more. Not round two. I will be Ronda Rousey. <laughs> exactly. and Betsy's I... going to like struggle <laughs> me into an Airbnb, like lock me in there. How do you like those non-Freda linens, we'll give you an We'll give you an assignment. That's how we'll get you into an Airbnb. <laughs> Um, uh, it'll tell, be the Collectionist, don't worry. That's fine. <laughs> tell the people how to get in touch with you, Betsy. You can find me at bblumenthal070 on Instagram and Twitter. Mark. And you can get me on Twitter at Mark J. Elwood, Mark with a K, Elwood with two L's. Mayor. I'm at Oh Hey There Mayor. Best handle ever. <laughs> I always have to say it. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. We are on iTunes. We are on SoundCloud. Visit us at cntraveler.com. Check this series out. It's going to be running for the rest of this month, and then we'll make a big splash out of it at the beginning of next month once we've got a bunch of content. We are at Condé Nast Traveler on Facebook and YouTube and CN Traveler on Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat. And please do tweet at us. Send us feedback. Review us on iTunes. We love to read that stuff. We get lots. Of, we actually have built entire podcasts around user feedback. We will build you a personal podcast. Yeah, yeah we love that. Get in touch with <laughs> us. Yeah. Yeah. We love to do that. But we love it. And it's, it really is. It's such a thrill for us that you guys enjoy it enough to give us feedback. And if you have things you wish we were talking about, please tell us because we love hearing that. Yeah. And we need ideas. <laughs> Speak for yourself. We... Meredith and I work very hard on this. Sebastian, <laughs> Meredith and I work very hard coming up with these. I'm at Bradrick. Have a great weekend, everyone. Thanks for tuning in.